Faith, family, freedom, hope, and opportunity. You're listening to Freedom Rings. I'm your host, Senator Marsha Blackburn. Thank you for joining us again for Freedom Rings. And as always, you will find this podcast wherever you pull down your favorite podcast. And we hope that we're one of them. And we're continuing to bring you freedom fighters, happy warrior freedom fighters, who are so dedicated to freedom, free people, and the ability to make those decisions that matter to you. And today we do have a freedom fighter. There is no one who has been more active in fighting for educational and academic freedom than Secretary Betsy DeVos. She served as the Secretary of Education under President Trump, but that is not where her interest in education began. And she's been politically active for over 35 years. So Madam Secretary, thank you for joining us. And I would love to hear from you. What got you focused on political process and then on educational reform? Well, Senator, it's a pleasure to be with you. And I'm excited to talk about this subject. So uh, starting when I was uh, pretty young, I was very motivated to get involved with policy and and politics. Um, I recall from a young age, first of all, my parents were very insistent on uh, the notion that we give back in whatever way we are capable of doing that and contribute to our families, our communities. And I began, you know, being interested in politics, I recall as young as fifth grade, but I had a, a really great high school government teacher named Mr. Pothoven and, uh, and also a really favorite professor in college, Paul Henry, who happened to be elected very soon thereafter to Congress. Um, they really helped uh, fire that up as well. I got involved in 1976 with President Ford's campaign for president for a full term. He was, of course, the hometown boy. I lived in Grand Rapids, live in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And so that really kicked off those, those uh, teenage years really kicked off uh, an interest that I have uh, really been involved with politics and policy ever since. And then you started an education foundation. So talk a little bit about what led you to focus on freeing up the education process and having students and parents more involved. So when our oldest son, Rick, um, was going to start kindergarten, Dick and I knew that we were going to be able to send him to whatever school we felt was best for him. So we started, I researched around the area to decide and determine what, uh, you know, what would be the best place for him to go. I discovered a wonderful little um, urban Christian school in the heart of our city and uh, started getting involved there as a volunteer. Rick didn't end up going to school there, but what I realized as I got more and more involved as a volunteer was that for every family that was there, there were probably 10 or 20 other families that really would have loved to have their children attend this school. Um, Most of them couldn't afford even close to the tuition. So even today, 41 years later, 
uh, 90 plus percent of the operating funds for this school are raised by um, benefactors in the community every year. But this was just a wonderful place. And I, uh, the more I got involved there, the more I realized that it was the policies that precluded families from being able to make that choice. And that's what really kicked off uh, now 35 plus years involved in fighting for education freedom. And a big part of that is school choice. And during the pandemic, we have seen school choice move forward as an issue that women are becoming passionate about. And I want you to talk about how you brought that issue to the forefront. Well, absolutely. I mean, education freedom, I, I use it interchangeably with school choice. And I think um, you know, talking about education freedom helps open up the concept beyond school buildings and school walls. Uh, there are so many different opportunities today, and we've seen very creative parents form up a lot of these new opportunities and options during the pandemic in learning pods and other homeschool um, consortiums and, uh, you know, distance learning, place-based learning, all of these different creative solutions all lend themselves to uh, being supported by education freedom, the notion that resources should really follow the students to the place that they're going to learn the best. And uh, we, we championed this uh, the whole time I was in Washington. Uh, it was a continuation of much of the work that I've done in a state-by-state -state basis before that, but it was, it was brought even into clearer focus in this last year and a half as schools were shut down, um, we had you know, conflicting in information and, and recommendations about what should or shouldn't be done for students attending school. Uh, we had all of the curriculum issues. Parents saw firsthand what their kids were learning for the first time, maybe in forever. And many right. of them were unhappy. Many of them were really displeased with what they saw, what they heard. And, uh, and so many of them, many moms are taking that matter into their own hands. We saw it in Virginia most recently in the governor's race there, where uh, parents who expressed themselves at school board meetings and asked questions um, were, were, you know, seen to be either as nuisances or, or in, you know, the, the words of the um, Biden uh, Justice Department uh, viewed in, in, as domestic terrorists. And uh, this kind of uh, awakening is really good and important for kids across the country. Since the beginning of this calendar year, 21 states have passed or expanded school choice programs in their state. And I think it's only beginning. Well, I think you're right on that. And I think the fact that parents have chosen to get involved and that moms are showing up and they're asking these questions about curriculum, about campus safety, about what is being taught, and that they are pushing to have those tax dollars. And I think this is important to remember. It is taxpayer dollars that are funding the education system. And those taxpayers are saying, let that money follow my child, not follow the school district, but follow my child. And that is something that you have brought to the forefront. 
That's right. Well, I like to use the metaphor of kids and backpacks because most kids go to school every day with some kind of a backpack with the stuff they need in it for the day. If we take metaphorically that backpack and attach the funds that are already committed to that child, you know, in this country, we spend on average about $14,000 per student per year for K-12 education. If metaphorically you took that, that, uh, that money in that backpack to where that child was going to best learn, uh, parents would be empowered to make the decisions for their kids. Parents are the ones that know and love their kids more than anyone else they should be empowered to make these decisions. And more than ever, we're seeing this notion sink in with many more families today than a year and a half ago. Well, and you just touched on something that I think is so vital, that parents should be able to choose for a child to go somewhere that they are going to best learn. Because one of the skills we want children to develop is to learn to know how they learn so that they can be a lifelong learner and continue their educational process, that it doesn't stop when they finish high school or when they finish college, that it becomes a part of their every day, that they are learning something new every day. And that is how people work toward having their American dream come true. Absolutely. You know, I have four grown children and now as of last week, nine grandchildren and um, all of them are different. They learn differently. They're interested in different things. And, you know, you, you only have to watch two different children to know that you can't do the same cookie cutter approach for every child. And so this notion that education freedom should be widely available is one that is continuing to grow and gain steam. And I think it's, it's, it's well overdue. And I hope that parents will continue to raise their voices on behalf of their kids because it's absolutely critical for our future, our nation's future, that we have kids that are prepared for what comes next. You know, when you look at how we do as a country vis-a-vis the rest of the world, we are nowhere near the top of the pile um, in terms of performance academically in our K-12 system. And that is a travesty, particularly for the kids who are at the bottom of the scales who aren't right. getting those opportunities. And so we have got to, we've got to continue to force these uh, these ideas into the open and debate them and discuss them. Um, when you look at the education system that most kids are a, a part of today, it is very much the same as it was almost 150 years ago. And think about how much of the rest of the world has changed. We need a real shot of creativity in K-12 education, and it will come when parents and families are empowered to make those choices. I think you're exactly right on that. And one of the things we know is that this is something that the teachers unions actually fight because they want to do the same thing the way they've been doing since they started their career and not make those changes. And there are hundreds of thousands of fabulous school teachers that inspire children every single day. They're innovative and creative. And then you have the teachers union 
leadership that fights that, that doesn't want to incentivize that. And I think it's very frustrating when we talk about educational freedom and the importance of having those choices. Well, and great teachers are such an important part of the equation. And the thing is, great teachers, when given the freedom to do the things they do best, will be able to have a whole newfound sense of creativity themselves and will be able to find fits for themselves in a teaching environment that really work for them. It's interesting to hear about the number of teachers that left their uh, their job in their, in their system, in their school uh, building, and perhaps went to teach, uh, you know, a dozen kids in a learning pod or a small micro school right. during the pandemic, and how many of them found a newfound sense of purpose and meaning in doing that. And those are the kinds of things that we have to continue to foster. For teachers, education freedom is a real important solution and future possibility for them as well. That is so very true. And you're right about those teachers who have learned to be an educator in a different environment, and that is vitally important. Well, where can our viewers find more information about you and some of your writing and work on education freedom? Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Betsy DeVos, on Facebook at Betsy.P.DeVos, and on my website at BetsyDeVos.com. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you all for joining us for another Freedom Rings, and I hope that you will keep up with us online. Thank you for listening to this episode of Freedom Rings. You can follow me on Twitter at Vote Marsha, Facebook at Marsha Blackburn for Senate, and on Instagram at Team Marsha. And you can always find us online at MarshaBlackburn.com. The Freedom Rings podcast is edited and produced by Jared Cummings. Executive producers are Conservative Partnership Center and Marsha Blackburn. Together, we make Freedom Rings.